Who's uh, Lindenwood? Who goes Lindenwood? Yep. Um, now, what about SIUE? We got any guys? SIUE? Yeah. Okay. So, Tennessee Tech, you know, is a High Valley Conference, been a charter member, so like decades, however long that conference has been around. I was a strength conditioning coach, and then I'm a leadership and character coach for the football team, and been with those teams for a long time. So, pretty excited that we get to come up to you guys this fall. Um, I told Carrie I'm going to come up early and hang out with you guys, uh, see, see what you got as far as campus ministry goes, and I'll be there for the game. I guess I'll be on the other sideline, but, but uh, I'm with you no matter what, right? We're one team, one team in Jesus. But um, I think it's great. I think it's great that conference has expanded, and um, we're going to learn to compete with each other but also be on the same team. All right, how, how am I going to do this uh, PowerPoint? Can I? You want to click for me? All right, you the man. Okay. Hey, let's pray before we start. Father in heaven, it's an awesome opportunity to come to you, to be with your people this weekend, to think about the most important things in our lives. And God, there's some things I know that each one of us in this room struggle with emotionally, whether it be anger, whether it be fear, um, maybe it's shame, guilt. But God, we're just going to ask you to be here right now and help us learn to let you be the Lord of our hearts and not let those things control us and be our Lord. Would you show us something right now, Lord, that could help us lean into you more, to follow you more, to be on mission for you? And I pray that you would even heal, even this morning. We know that's who you are, God. You can do things instantaneously, and we believe, and we trust. But God, we also ask that um, if you want us to walk in these things, we ask you to give us the strength to walk with you. Uh, let us see you in a new and more powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm a dude. You're a dude, right? And when it comes to emotions, we're like, what is that all about, right? Um, this is probably the perfect lesson for me to be doing because, honestly, I suck at this. I'll tell you that. I, I, I really struggle with understanding how to process emotion, what that's all about. So I'm married, and I'm married to the best woman in the world for me, for sure, because she has helped me in this area a ton. Uh, she's told me that she can count on one hand how many times she's seen me cry, and mainly, mainly that's because I have had two girls, and once I started having babies, all of a sudden I figured out how to cry. You know, I didn't know how to do it before then. But even then, I uh, didn't know how to do that. But this morning, I'm going to tell you, this is the best lesson for me this morning because I woke up to some text messages that were pretty, pretty heavy. Uh, discipled a guy who was a defensive end for us at Tennessee Tech. Uh, he went on, actually transferred his senior, his grad, grad year to go to Western Michigan. Really good player, uh, big dude, about 6'3", about 290 by the time he was at Western Michigan. Praise God, he was baptized into Jesus on the football field in a cold tub uh, after practice. We arranged it. After I'd studied with him, he said, I want my team to be there. I want them to see me get baptized. 
uh, because I'm, I'm hoping that I can influence some of them. And I'll never forget, we went and uh, baptized him and, the, and the, the head coach, I was studying with him as well at the time, but he was pretty uh, intense like a lot of head coaches are. He said, all right guys, everybody take a knee and I want you to take it serious right now. And I was like, uh, it's not the baptism atmosphere I was hoping for. And so they're all like, like this. Not a lot of this celebration or anything, but it was still good. Um, walked with this guy, Tim is his name, for several years after that. Uh, he, is, he ended up going back to Birmingham and got a job, pharmaceutical sales. Does not know his dad, has no clue um, what his dad's like. He's only seen him once in his life. Uh, seen him twice in his life, but only actually talked to him once. Um, his mom's a drug addict, um, has major struggles there. Woke up with text message this morning um, that found him dead in his apartment last night. It hits. Life hits hard, right? I don't know what that is. Is that me? Okay. So life hits you hard in the face. And right now, I got emotions in me that need to be processed. Now, the way I've lived my life mostly has been, hey, I'm tough, I'm good, that's over there, I'm here. But what I've learned is you can't live life like that because I'm on a mission, and if you're on a mission, you gotta move. And if you don't deal with the stuff that, you're, that you're, you got inside, it's gonna start weighing you down. Uh, forgot my bucket this morning. I went and got a Home Depot bucket and I forgot it. So picture I got a bucket right here in my hand. And maybe, maybe we can click over to that next slide. I think I got, yeah. Okay, and I'm on a journey. And this is me over here on the left. This is you on the left. And I'm on a journey and there's all sorts of places and ways I can go, some dead ends I can take. But if I wanna get on the path to Jesus, I've still got that bucket. And you got it too, right? And you're filling it up with stuff all the time. And those things will be a distraction on the journey if you don't know how to handle them. And as you go on this journey, you're taking that journey and you're going toward Jesus and you're trying to hold on to this bucket and make it to Him. But you got a job to do. You got a mission to take hold of. And it's weighing you down. And if you don't, like me, if you don't deal with that, eventually it's going to get so heavy that you got to stop. He forces you to stop and you're going to have to deal with this. Or you're going to turn the other direction. And we're going to talk about what those other directions are that a lot of people take. I've taken them all. But praise God, I've learned and I'm learning how to let that bucket be emptied out. And then he fills it up with what I need so I can seek him follow him, grow, and then I can go back to others who need me, who need Jesus. Yeah? Resonate? Okay, let's keep clicking here. Um, 1 Corinthians 7.35, I want you to look at that. I didn't have the, the uh, scriptures written up on the screen, so get out your phone, get out your Bible. i got to get mine. Somebody want to read it? 
Corinthians 7, 35. This is in the context of Paul saying, you might, everybody in here might not want to think about getting married. Because if you get married, there's going to be some things that you've got to do and some things you're going to have to uh, put in that bucket that may be a little heavy for you as you're moving through life. Somebody want to read that out loud? 1 Corinthians 7, 35. Undivided devotion to the Lord. Anybody got a different phrase than, than undivided devotion? Anybody else got something? How about your, your translation might say without distraction? Has anybody got that? Depends on which version you use, but it means the same thing. So undivided devotion or without distraction. Hear that? undivided devotion or without distraction. The Lord wants you to live your life undivided. What's undivided sound like? I got something pulling me over here. I got something pulling me over here and now I'm divided. In James chapter 1, it says that you are unstable in your mind if you doubt the Lord and go to him in prayer and ask for wisdom, but, but you're unstable or you have a double-mindedness. It's the same thing. So to be pulled in different directions. I want you to go to, uh, click on that next one. Uh, first, uh, I guess I didn't have that. Uh, let's just leave that for a second. So I want you to go over to... Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. Check this out. Think about that undivided without distraction. 1 Peter 5, 7. Somebody read that. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Your translation might say cast all your anxiety on him because he cares cares for you. The word care or the word anxiety, what it means is something that distracts you. Something that pulls you apart. That's what it means. And divides you. So if you got this heavy bucket and you got this stuff in here, it's a distraction. It's something that's dividing me. It's something that's pulling me down. And I can't take the journey that Jesus wants me to take. Right? So we've got to figure out how does a follower of Jesus Christ deal with these distractions? Here's some of them. I mean, here's different emotions that you might have. And this is exactly what a disciple of Jesus is going to have to deal with. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're going to deal with every single one of these. Every single one of them. Suffer betrayal. Have you had that yet? Is there somebody that you feel like has betrayed you? Somebody stabbed you in the back? If you're a disciple of Jesus, it's going to happen right? So that might be the thing that is the, the thing that's weighing you down right now. I've got some. Face discouragement. Some of you guys have been discouraged. Um, you're feeling like you can't keep moving. Something's weighing you down in that way. The next one, experiencing fear. And my man John's going to have a good class next hour about processing that specifically and you've got some of these in these other classes but we're thinking about it as a whole as a distraction right 
fear, I'm afraid. That might be the thing that's holding you back. Shame. You will be shamed, if you haven't yet, by who you are and what you believe. Right? You'll be shamed for that. I've had it many, many times, right? And, they, and, and it may not be a direct by word attack, but you know what they're thinking. Or it might be the enemy making you believe that. And it may not even be true what they think, but he makes you think that. Or you're embarrassed. Shame, same thing as embarrassment. You're embarrassed by something. But then closely related to that is the next one, your guilt. You'd be reminded of your guilt or being accused of your guilt. Hey, the accuser, day and night, that's what he does. He's accusing us. The enemy does, right? Maybe that's the thing you're thinking of. And you've got this thing that's holding you down. And I'll tell you, um, a lot of guys that I've worked with, that's a big one for them. It's hard for them to empty that bucket out because they have so much guilt from the past of what they've done, right? And I do too. Um, loneliness. Loneliness. We don't want to admit it as dudes, but lonely. Whether it's, I wish I had the girl, I wish I had my guys. Or maybe you got um, parents that didn't treat you the way you wish they would. Loneliness. As a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have it. Um, and then last, be pushed to anger. Are you somebody that flies off the handle pretty quick? Some of us are. I'm not. I'm the guy that will bottle it up. Press it down, push it down, and I fill up the bucket that way and it gets heavy. Now at some point, I will let it out. But a lot of times I hold it back because I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to look, look like that kind of guy, quote unquote, right? So some of us that let it out, you might be a little better off than, than me because you stuff that stuff down. So you got to deal with this stuff somehow because it is filling that bucket up. You know why you're going to have to deal with all this stuff? Who are you following? Who are you trying to follow? The man who dealt with all the same stuff. Jesus had the same stuff, every single one of them. Now, he didn't have literal guilt because he didn't, he didn't sin, but he was made to feel guilty, yeah? He was accused of constantly. And so he, he suffered all of these things at the highest level. And so you go to 1 Peter 5, 7 again, and it says, cast all your anxiety, all your care, all your distraction on him because he cares for you. And how does he care for you? Hebrews chapter two says that he's like a big brother who's gone through everything you've gone through and he knows how to help you. Hebrews chapter four says he's been tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. So he knows how to help you as the great high priest. He's like the big brother who says, I've been through it, man. I've been there. I get it. I'm with you. So here's, here's what we've got. I think on the next screen I got my, my guy. Okay, here's me, and then flip that next one. I've got three options. Here's the three options that you're trying, that I try, that are dead ends. They're dead ends. So let me say up front, what we're not saying is that that we're going to imagine like there is no adversity, is no challenge. We're making that point pretty clear. 
It is real. But you're going to have to do something with it. And if you don't do the right thing, it's going to get worse. So you're playing basketball. You go into the hole. You're going, you're going down there. You're getting ready to take it, take it to the hoop. And you get, boom, slammed. Hit the ground. Are you the guy that's ready to get up and get in that guy's face and we'll take him out, you know? And I'm angry that you fouled me in a way that you shouldn't have. Are you the guy that, that says, no, nah, if, if it's a legit game, the ref's going to make the right call. I'm going to go to the free throw line. I'm going to get my shots. Who are you? The, foul's the foul happened. The adversity is there. The challenge is there. It's there. How you respond to it will determine if you make it worse or not. And it all comes down to, do you trust the ref? Do you trust the guy who's in charge? Do you trust the man in the stripes? Will he get the call right? If you don't trust him, you get up and you take that guy on and you get in his face and then now you get teed up and now you made it worse. You got hit to the ground and now you got a tee and you don't have what was coming to you. And it all comes down to, do you trust the man who's in charge? Because if I trusted him, I'd let him do his job and I'd get mine. Here's the three ways that I show I don't trust him. Here's one. The first one is, and I want you to look at this like that, like they were kind of like dead ends, okay? The first one is I obey my emotions. I obey them. Okay, how do you obey your emotions? You ever hear fight or flight? You ever hear that? Like, so you have fear, you have um, things that, that happen to you emotionally, and you got a choice to, your body, your brain is wired such that you will flee or fight, and I'll add a, a third F that they say a lot now in psychology is freeze. And you do one of these things without even knowing it, without even thinking about it. It's just the way you feel. Uh, anger, if you're the guy that's like, gets really angry and they come at you and you're gonna go back at them, it's the fight mechanism. And you, I'm gonna fight this guy because I have anger in me, I'm gonna get it out. Or I'm gonna fight this situation. That's one form, if you let that control you, not, we're not saying you don't feel that way, because there's a difference between feeling that way and then letting it become your Lord, right? So I feel like I wanna go to fight. That's real. But then can I respond now with a choice with Jesus as my Lord and say, what does he want me to do? That's what we're talking about. But let me just say, if I let that become my Lord, fight. I'm obeying the emotion. I'm letting it be my Lord. Okay? Flight, a lot of times with that, um, that would be a lot like shame. Um, for me, shame, I got to get out of this place. I'm going to look bad. I don't want to look bad. I don't want people to think that I failed. I don't want to think, I don't want myself to think I failed, so let me get out of the situation. And I've literally stepped out of situation. In fact, I remember when I was in high school, I was a long snapper. And all the days of my long snapping, everything went good. But there was this one day, this one game, I shot that thing over the punter's head. You guys ever done that? I mean, 
put it over the head. Got, they, get, they get the ball. I can't remember if they scored or not on the play, but I'm like going to the sideline like, oh, it was my fault, you know? I show up at college. I went to Ohio University. Show up at college. I was an offensive lineman, believe it or not, many, many pounds ago. And they said, any guys here that know how to long snap, you can try out. You know, they had recruited a long snapper, but they needed some backups. You know what I did? Not me. I ain't going to long snap. You know, I had a buddy at Ohio who was our long snapper the entire time, and he got drafted. We didn't get drafted. He signed on to an NFL team. And I saw that guy make, a, make the league as long snapper, and I thought, I was too afraid to take a chance. That could have been me. You know, I could have been in the league, been a long snapper. But I fled from that opportunity because I was afraid. Shame. I didn't want to feel the shame. Now, another thing we might do is freeze. Freeze is a lot of times a fear. We get scared, we just freeze up. I don't know what to do. You might be a guy that fights, you might be a guy that runs, or you might be the guy that obeys your emotions, just freeze. You don't do anything. And there's a tendency in me to do that. I mean, this morning I'm having a rough morning with my guy that we lost and uh, don't know exactly what happened still. And I'm calling my guys and we're texting and saying, what's going on? And a form of obeying that emotion, that's a real emotion to want to freeze is, hey, Carrie, I can't speak this morning. I just can't do it. And he wouldn't have shamed me for that. And he would have stepped up for me. But I asked the Lord, I'm like, I don't want to freeze in this moment. I want to be who you want me to be. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want you to be my Lord right now, and you'll get me through this. And I spent time in the Lord, with the Lord in prayer. So that's one thing. That's one dead end. It's a dead end because you're not letting the Lord be your Lord. You're letting the emotions. Okay, the next one, let's click over the next one. The next dead end is distraction. And you will definitely make it worse with distraction. Uh, this one is... Uh, obvious with guilt, or I'm sorry, with uh, discouragement or loneliness. What a lot of guys turn to when they feel bad about themselves, let's distract myself. I'm going to use a substance to distract my, the way I feel. Why do a lot of guys smoke weed? There could be a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons I'm sure is distraction. I don't want to feel what I feel. I don't want to go through those things. I want to feel something else, right? I want to take that away. And in Ephesians chapter 5, the Lord tells us, do not get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, Ephesians 5, 18, but be filled with the Spirit. And for a long time, I thought, well, drunk, getting drunk, getting high, it's just bad, right? It's just, you know, slap your hand, bad. You shouldn't do that stuff. You look at the context, what he's saying is don't run to something to numb yourself. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Lord come into your life. Be filled with the Spirit. You're trying to be filled with something that goes in and goes out. You get high, you get drunk, it's just coming in going out. It's not solving anything. It's just distracting you. And so the Lord is saying, don't get distracted. Be filled and you know what he says to be filled? Ephesians 5.19, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, teaching one another to, to enjoy the Lord. Let the Lord in. Let the Word of God dwell in your heart richly, Colossians 3.16 says in the parallel passage. Let the Word come in, sing about it, praise Him, be with others. Now you got something that's going to stick. 
Don't turn to the sub. So that's distraction. And maybe that's you. Obey it or distract. And the third one is to deny. To deny. And this is big with me. This is the one I go to. I'm just going to pretend it's not there. Yeah? I'm going to pretend it's not there. Your guilt, especially. I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to pick this bucket up because I'm tough and I'm strong and I've lifted weights my whole life. I've run through walls, man. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done marathons and I've played college football. I've done triathlons and I've done CrossFit, everything you can think about doing. I've been on the ground heaving and I've, I'll kill myself, you know. So I'm tough. But I'm telling you, I have learned I've got to deal with this because this bucket is getting heavier and heavier and I can't help people anymore because I'm lugging this thing around. And a lot of that is denial. So it'll get heavier by distracting yourself. It'll get heavier by denying it and it'll get heavier and worse and you'll complicate um, the consequences by trying to fight your way out of it, flee your way out of it or just freeze. So what is the solution? Well, where are we headed? He'll click next here. How does Jesus teach his followers to process emotion? And this is what I'm going to give you to take with you. This will lift your heart. So I, I lead a ministry. It's called Be One, Make One. And you can look that up later. B-E-1, make one, the number one, dot org. Um, what we do is we teach people and teach leaders and train leaders how to make disciples, how to be disciple makers. And we believe that there's six skills of being a disciple maker. And um, one of those is lift your heart. I really truly believe this because I've seen in my own life, you cannot help others become disciples of Jesus and really invest in them. If you're lugging this bucket around, you're gonna have to lift your heart. And the way you lift your heart is following what Jesus did. So let's look at some of this. Click over here. First um, Peter 5, 7, we already looked at in the next one. So let's go to Matthew 26. So this is Jesus in the garden, okay? Maybe you've looked at this before. When Jesus is getting ready to die, he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he's got emotions coming out of him that are big time. He's crying. He's crying so much that it says his tears became like great drops of blood. Maybe even blood was coming out, they said. You talk about major emotion, right? He knew he was going to be put on a cross the next day. He knew how awful that was going to be. But really, what he knew more as the Son of God, he knew that there was going to be a break in his communion and his relationship with the Father for the first time in eternity. And he's wrestling with how that's going to go down because he was going to bear your guilt, your shame, your sin, every bit of it. He was going to bear it on the cross. He's going to take on all the sins of the world. And the Father can't have fellowship with sin. And so I don't know that I understand a whole lot of that, but I know enough to know something was about to go down big. 
So if you think about the greatest test you've ever taken, the biggest game you ever played, the biggest thing you've had to go through, and the next day you know that, and you know the anxiety, the stuff in your stomach, you know, you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Think about it on steroids, right? The biggest thing you could ever possibly go through, and he's wrestling with this, and he tells his guys, I gotta go pray. And what he does here is he lifts his heart, okay? So let's read this, Matthew 26, 36. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, who'd he have? He had Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, so he had his, inner, his, his three. These are his tight, this is his tightest circle. Now, that's something to take in right there. When, you're, when you've got something heavy going on, you need to get those who got your back. Your tightest circle. He had 12 disciples, but he had three that he brought with him on these special times. So he had those with him. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed, or you might say overwhelmed with sorrow, right? And he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrows, overwhelmed to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. I need you right now. I need you to have my back. So the first thing you do when you lift your heart, you'll click to that next slide first thing you do is you look. So I want you to remember L-I-F-T, lift. The first thing you got to do is you got to take a look. You got to look at your emotions. You got to look in that bucket and you got to look at it. Don't deny it. Don't distract yourself. We're not going to obey it. We're simply going to look. And I can look at something without obeying it. I can look at it and pay attention to it. He did it, didn't he? He said, I am deeply sorrowful. And he even told them, I'm, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow. He looked at it. He paid attention to it. And this is huge. This is, this is like, it seems like I'm going back to kindergarten with this stuff. I, I've even told some of my guys, like, how come I never learned this? You know, uh, For one thing, I didn't get discipled in it. I had men who discipled me that didn't show me a lot of this. And... We've got, to, we've got to put a stop to that. This doesn't mean I'm uh, flimsy, weak. Actually, it means I'm strong. If I can look at my emotions and continue to do what the Lord wants me to do, that's strength, right? That's, that's who Jesus is. Strongest man to ever live. He looked at his emotions. It's the first step. So this morning when I went through this, that was the first thing I did is I just told the Lord, I am sad. I'm hurt. Another way you look at it is you tell somebody. I've told a few people in here. I let myself cry for a minute. You got to take a look. But then, what's the next thing you got to do? What's the I? You have to invite Jesus to be part of it. You've got to invite Jesus in. The thing that I want to do is I might want to take a look or I might want to do that, but then I'm like, all right, now I'm good. Let me get back to my life. Well, you have to invite him in. He wants to be in it with you. And look at what, the way Jesus did this. He, going a little further, verse 39, he fell face down and prayed, my father. My father. He went straight to God. Where do you go when you're overwhelmed? with your emotions. 
it's cool to go with, to those that have your back. But one thing we do a lot of times is I'm going to start gossiping. I'm going to start talking about the person. I'm going to try to take that person down. Uh, can you believe they said this to me? That kind of stuff. Notice what Jesus did is he went straight to the Father. I love the chosen. I love that show. I'm all in, man. I'm actually in the uh, last episode of the season. You won't see me, but uh, the, the third season has come out right now. I don't know if some of you guys are watching it. Any you guys watching The Chosen? You need to watch it, man. It's, it's real. Um, it's, it's the first thing I've ever uh, seen in my lifetime that, that I think is real um, as far as giving a lot who Jesus was. But we went down to Texas and got in the Feeding of the 5,000 episode. That's going to be at the end of this uh, season. I don't think I'll be able to see myself and my family, but we're in there. Um, I think it is really cool, but way back when I was in college, the, the Passion came out. Um, Mel Gibson, you guys remember that? Uh, Mel Gibson, I don't know if you guys have seen it. And he, he did a good job of like uh, trying to portray how crazy hard this was. And the opening scene is, is Jesus in the garden. And he's just like in agony. And the enemy is all around. The enemy's just coming in like whispering in his ear. I remember as a college guy, I was like, whoa, I never thought about it that way. Um, it's, it's really cool how film, how media can, can make you think a little bit more about what was going on. But he went, and he's on the ground going to God, and you know the enemy, enemy was near and trying to pin him down to this. He did not want him to take this step. You've got to invite Jesus in with you, and he wants to. He wants to be in this with you. And I have a greater picture than I've ever had. I, I've always seen myself as when I follow Jesus, I'm back here and he's way up there. And I'm just like trying to do what he's doing, like just trying to mimic his steps. I've got a real picture now that Jesus is by my side. He's got, me, he's got my back. He's got my side. And we're going in together. He is my big brother. Hebrews chapter 2 says he is your big brother. Eight, uh, Romans chapter 8 says he's the firstborn among many brothers. He is your brother. If you're a son of the living God, he is your big brother. And he says, I've got your back. And, he, and you want to invite him in. And you simply do that through prayer. Lord God, I need you. And just be real with him. I'm going through this. Here's what I'm going through. And he wants to hear about it. The F is the weird one. You've got to feel it. You got to feel it. You need to feel your emotion. You need to feel his love. And uh, I'm still learning this. But I know how to feel my love for my kids. I know how to feel my love for my wife. I know how to feel love for somebody who's close to me. Um, but learning to feel his love and walk in it. For me, for most of my life, um, it's been information. There's something to know. But what's come alive in me is like, he, he wants you to feel that. Paul talks about over and over how the, the dwelling place of the Lord is in your heart. His love dwells in your heart. That's where you feel. So the, the best picture I've gotten has been wherever you go when you feel... Um, passion, love for someone else that's, that's close to you. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your grandma. Like, 
there's something in you just kind of feel and you think about them and you feel that, go to that place and accept the Lord's love in prayer. And you got to sit in it. You got to sit in it. Now, we also got to feel the emotion. And so what you do is you feel the emotion with him. I am angry, man. I am so mad. I am pissed about what I'm going through. I am hurt. I'm scared. What? You tell him and you feel that. You don't just tell him, you feel it. And there's times where I'm walking around my house mad, yelling, screaming, <laughs> telling the Lord about it. And he, it's exactly what he wants. But you're going to him with it. Right? Remember James and John, they're with him. He called James and John the sons of thunder because they just lose their, lose their heads all the time. They get so mad. One time, Jesus is with them, James and John. They're like, you know what we ought to do? We're not, Jesus, you're so powerful. Let's just ask God to just rain down fire from heaven. Just wipe these people out. That's what we're going to do. That's how we'll deal with them. And Jesus is like, whoa, <laughs> you know, let's, let's hang on for a minute. And he turned it into a joke. He said, I'm just going to call you guys the sons of thunder from now on. <laughs> I mean, they were hot, but they took it to him and he helped them process it. The Chosen has an episode on that. It does pretty good. Jesus lets them have it. But at the same time, he, he uh, kind of messes with them a little bit, helps them work through it. So I look at it. I pay attention to it. I invite him into it. I feel it. And this is not a one-time thing. It's just going to happen. Like this stuff that happened to me this morning, this is going to be all week for me. This is going to be every day, maybe all month. I'm going to keep going back to him. And I've got my own ways that I process that and I talk about, but I literally see myself as inviting him into it and laying it down. Now, here's the big one. You can do all that. You can know all those steps, but you've got to, the T is trust. You've got to now trust. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust, trust. So I'm going to finish with this. Here's the thing you've got to ask yourself. Do you really trust him? Okay, do you really trust him? How do you know? The, the, the problem is, you're sitting here, you're going, okay, I could maybe do some of that. I could maybe feel that. I could pray to him. But the problem is you can't do this unless you trust him. Remember the illustration of the basketball game? I'm on the ground. The guy took me out. I'll get teed up because I don't trust the ref. I don't trust the one who's in charge. I don't trust him to do the right thing. That's the problem. You can't do any of this unless you really trust Jesus, unless you trust him with your life. So you got to go back and trust him. So this is, this is, a, this is my, my, this is the way I share the gospel with people. I sit down one-on-one. -on -one, so if you're not a Christian right now, I'm about to do with you what I do when, when it's, it's time and I sit down. My guy, Tim, that died yesterday, uh, we were in my basement and I sat down and got a piece of paper out and I did this exact thing with him. I feel like it's helped me a lot uh, explain You've got to come back to the basics and ask yourself, do you trust him? And here's, here's how, okay? Let's flip that to the next one. You've got to see two sides of the cross. If you don't trust the Lord, you're missing one of these two sides. 
This is it, okay? So you might do this on your notes. Just draw across, okay? And it, you know, it makes a four-part grid. So on the top left and the top right, I want you to write this. On the left, I want you to put had to. And on the other side, I want you to put chose to. So think about it as two sides, but for now, let's put them in the top, top corners. Do you know that Jesus had to die for you? He had to. Do you know that? Here's what I mean by that. There's no chance you can get to God without him doing that. Not, not even a chance. There's not even like, well, I could almost make it if I, just, if I could just get rid of my lust or I get rid of my anger. I, and then I could probably make it. No, you got no shot. Zero shot. Negativity shot. <laughs> you ain't going to make it. Because one sin separates you from God. Just one. He had to die for you. Now that might be the side of the cross that you're still struggling with. And the reason you know that is you think that you, that you can muscle it. Or you think you deserve to be saved. You deserve to have a relationship with God. You deserve to go to heaven. But you got to come back to, you had to. And I looked at Tim, or I've looked at others, and a lot of people are like, yeah, I get that. Because they know, and I know, I've done some stuff that are messed up, man. If I told you some of the stuff I did. So I'm with you. And we could all do that, couldn't we? But the other side of the cross, a lot of people don't know, is he chose to. He had to, but he chose to. Now take that in for a second. In order for you to trust him, you need to know that he chose to. He chose to die for you. In this story, after he prayed, he said, Father, may this cup pass from me. Not my will, but yours be done. He went back and prayed again. He said, unless I drink this cup, which means unless I do it all, unless I go all in, and I take on the sin of the world, I take on the cup of wrath, God's wrath for sin, let it be so. Not my will, but yours be done. He chose to do it. You know what that means? All right, the next slide, let's look at the bottom. So now underneath, this is what it means. So you'd write down here on the, on the bottom two sides. Here's what it means. He had to means I can't. He had to die for me means I can't. You name, fill in the blank. I can't save myself. I can't solve my anger. I can't solve my lust. I can't figure out how to process my emotions. I can't bring my guy back from the dead. I can't uh, make my wife love me. I can't erase the guilt of my past. I mean, you just name it. I can't. I can't. And it is good for you to say that. Let's all say it together. One, two, three. I can't. You need to say it. You need to say that. Now the world says, oh man, say you can do whatever you want. To. No, I can't. I literally cannot. I've tried everything and I have proven over and over I can't. I could not solve my lust problem. I could not solve the stuff I was dealing with. But I learned he can. He had to means he will step in. And that's true about whatever is in your bucket right now. You got to start and say, I can't but he can because he, he, he did have to die for me. That tells me I'm undeserving, but look over here. This is awesome. And usually this is when I get those big dudes to cry. <laughs> We're talking. 
He chose to, though, means that He is all love. He's all powerful. He's slow to anger. He's full of compassion. And He looks at you and He says, you are worth it. No, you can't. No, you have struggled. No, you have proven over and over. But you know what? You've also proven that you can now say, I am. I am worth it. Let's say that one together. One, two, three. I am. Say it again. I am. And you can fill in the blank there. I am chosen. I am loved. I am valuable. I am treasured. I'm, a tre- I'm his treasured possession. I am a son of God. I am a chosen son. If he's come after you with the gospel... You are chosen, man. You are chosen. And if you stay all your time over here on the left on this, on he had to and how you're undeserving, you'll be pushed down into guilt further and further and further. But you've got to have it both. You've got to have both. You've got to know that you can't, but you also got to know that you are. You've got to know that, that he can, and you've got to know who he is. And something is missing on those two sides of the cross. And so I go through those two things and we just hammer it out. What is it for you? So then what's left to say, now that's who I trust. Because there's nobody in your life that's like that, is there? There's no dude in your life. There's no man in your life. Even your own dad, your grandpa, whoever has been the best man you've ever known. Maybe your disciple or your campus minister. None of them are like that. They can't look at you and know every single thing about you and then save you. Now, the way we see it in those guys is they've taken this on and they let Jesus work through them. So do you trust him? Right? Do you trust him? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take from this. I want you to think about that, wrestle with that a little bit. Maybe you keep this in your notes and you look at this later. Get with another guy, get with your campus minister and think about what is the thing that I have been trying to carry around? What do you need to say? I can't. I just can't. And the reason I know I can't is because he had to die for that. He had to help me get out of this. I can't. Then on the other side, okay, what does that now tell me about him, who he is? He loves me. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. Go find scripture. Chase down scripture that speaks that because you'll find it because he is awesome. And then let that tell you then who you are. Let that tell you who you are. I am. I am. I'm worth it. I'm chosen. I'm loved. Now, out of that, now you can go back and lift your heart. I don't think you can lift your heart until you wrestle with that a little bit more. I've got to trust the Lord. hope that was helpful for you guys. Um, a lot of that has been me processing my own stuff and then working with other guys. Um, I will be glad to talk with you, whether it be today or anytime, email, whatever. Um, Go to that, that uh, site or you know, get a hold of Carrie. Carrie, get a hold of you. can get my number. Anything I can do to help you guys. Let's pray as we finish up. Father in heaven, uh, awesome to think about what you did on the cross through Jesus. Lord Jesus, you had to die for us. We had no other way out. But thank you that you chose to. We trust you. We trust you with our lives. I know some of us in here, like, I trust you a little bit, but that's good. You just asked for a seed, just a mustard seed of faith, Lord. And I pray that you would take that seed and you would grow, grow us, because we want to give our lives to you. We want to go out and do big things for you, God. We got big dreams. 
Help us not to hold back and let us uh, not let anything else hold us back. I pray that whatever's in our bucket, whatever's weighing us down, God, can we give that over to you? Teach us how. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for caring for us so much that you saved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good.